right, if you have your Bibles with you today, I hope you do. I'll ask you to open them up to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Uh, we'll be getting our way there in a little bit. We're going to work our way there. We're going to uh, go step by step as we get into the series that we've entitled Blessed, Living the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And I'm really excited for this to be our summer series because I believe this is going to put into your hands just some very valuable tools to use to be a blessing to others. That word blessed, that's an interesting word, right? We live in a social media-driven culture, the gram, right, TikTok, YouTube, for those who are over 35, Facebook, right, for those of you who are over 50, MySpace, hopefully none of you are still using that. Uh, but we live in a social media-driven culture. And one of the most trending hashtags that seems to never really go away is hashtag blessed. How many of you have used it? Admit it. Admit it. Okay, you guys have used it. Hashtag blessed. I have some pictures here of what you look up, what you would find on the internet uh, when you see hashtag blessed. Uh, it's interesting. For many people, this means many different things. To some people, it's saying, hey, I'm putting what God is doing in my life out there. But for some people, uh, hashtag blessed has just become a bragging kind of thing, right? Um, people kind of show their vacations and other things going in their life, and they're showing off their stuff or they're showing off their experience. And a lot of times they put a hashtag blessed. Uh, this is my favorite here. This is from a TV show. This is a fictionalization, all right? This is not real life. But this is, there's some truth to this that some people kind of use. I hate uh, four green lights in a row, hashtag blessed, right? I mean, is that really blessed? I mean, is that really a blessing? Or are you just kind of like putting that out there? And it's interesting that um, some years ago, this hashtag was considered one of the most annoying on all of social media uh, in a research poll that they did. Hashtag blessed was one of the most annoying because people were, were, were not using it appropriately. Instead of saying, hey, God is doing something big in my life personally, uh, they were using it to show off more things like this, right, or something uh, fun and exciting and experience that was going on in their life. But we want to talk about what it means to be blessed. Uh, what does the word say about blessed? And, and what are we using blessed for in this series? Because for the next uh, five weeks today and for the next five weeks, we're going to be going through this series. We just finished a series called The Pursuit of Happiness, where Jesus was teaching us through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, where Every statement that he made, every one of those eight statements began with the same word, God blesses, right? God blesses. And we know that word blesses means makarios. God makes happy. God fills you with satisfaction and with happiness. It's a feeling that he gives, that he provides, and he fills us so that way we're blessed, so that way we can then be a blessing to others. Now listen, you might not always feel like you're blessed, Right? How many of you have had days like that, or mornings like that, or seasons like that, or months like that, even maybe years like that? Like, I don't feel like I'm blessed, but the Bible makes it clear that you are blessed. You are blessed. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, All praise to God, the Father, our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. This makes it clear that we are blessed, that God the Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. You're blessed. You might not always feel it. We might post 
wrongly about it, but you are blessed. Who does God bless? God blesses those like the Beatitudes taught us who display the character and the conduct of the kingdom of heaven. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are meek, those who are merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are peacemakers, right? Those who are persecuted, those who mourn. God blesses those people. Each one of those proclamations begins with God blesses. We are to carry the kingdom and the culture of this world. Now, you might be asking the question, how? And this is where I want to point your direction to this paper, okay? Because uh, I, I find this series so important and so useful and so practical. I, I want us to follow along closely. It's not that I'm giving you work to do on Sunday, but I'm kind of giving you some work to do on Sunday, okay? So I, I want you to follow along with me because I believe these notes are, are tools that you're going to be able to use weekly here in a way that you are going to become a blessing to people. You are going to bless people. And we're using Jesus as the example, the model for that. So this week one message is entitled, Discover Your Mission. Today we're going to be talking about your mission. What is your mission here um, in this life? The Bible teaches of two great callings uh, to every person's life. We're blessed. We already established that. You are blessed. Now, how do you... Uh, uh, put your blessings to use. You do it by fulfilling these two great callings. So there on your sheet, number one, uh, or letter A, sorry, is the great commandment. Okay, the great commandment. You can write that in there, commandment. It's on the top title of the um, handout right there as well. So Jesus makes two very clear callings to us in this life. One is the great commandment. What is the great commandment? It's found in Mark chapter 12. Let's go to that. So the disciples and other religious leaders, Jesus wasn't really with the religious crowd. Jesus didn't like religion. Jesus didn't come to bring religion. Jesus came to bring relationship and to restore us back to God, right, and have uh, peace with him. So when the religious people asked Jesus, what is the great commandment? What is it that we're here to do? This was Jesus' response. It says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. So here it is. Listen, O Israel. He's speaking to the people there. This is not just a commandment for the nation of Israel. He says, listen, O Israel, because he's addressing people who are Jewish in, in nationality. So he's speaking to his crowd, but the audience here is all people. He says, the Lord, our God, is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. So he's linking two commands into one great commandment. The first one is to love God. The second is equally important, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. No other commandment is greater than these. So how do we summarize this? The great commandment says you are to love God and love your neighbor. That's in your notes. You are to love God and you are to love your neighbor. You could fill that in there. This great commandment is the greatest one, according to Jesus. He says that, that this is the one that, that matters the most. This is the one that, that we are to live. You're to love God and your neighbor as you love yourself. This was hitting home here because the religious people were not really about loving their neighbor. They were a, a lot about loving God, but not so much about loving their neighbor. So Jesus challenges them here to say you must love 
God and your neighbor. Now, the second great calling here, this is letter B, uh, this is the great commission. So you can write that one in there for B, the great commission. So what is the great commission? Jesus came and lived his life, and before he went up to be with the Father, he gave his disciples, his followers, one last commission. He said, this is your job, this is part of your mission here on this earth. And this is found in Matthew chapter 28. So this is Matthew chapter 28. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's it. Go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey the commands I have given you, and I will be with you until the end of the age. So for B, we, you are to make disciples. That's B, okay? You are to make disciples. So there is your mission, okay? There is your mission in life. Now, let's differentiate a little bit between mission and purpose. Um, we believe here in this church that your purpose for your existence, the reason why you're alive, um, it's not so much to gain and to acquire goods. It's not to grow in popularity and prestige. It's not too much to uh, even raise a great family. Those are blessings. Those are great opportunities. But our purpose is to know and to love God. That's it. Why do we exist? To know and to love God. That's your purpose. Now, from your purpose, you experience the greatest pleasure in life. What is the greatest pleasure in life? The greatest pleasure in life, again, is not sailing on a yacht in the Mediterranean. It's not vacationing in southern France. It's not having a fat 401k. It's not having a satisfying career. It's not even raising great kids. Those are blessings. Those are great opportunities God gives. But that's not the greatest pleasure in life. The purpose in life to know and to love God. The greatest pleasure in life is to live in the reality that you are known and that you are loved by God. You see how the greatest pleasure in life and the greatest purpose in life work together. For me, knowing and loving him, I will come to live in the reality of being known and loved by God. There's no greater pleasure than that, of knowing that, man, God loves me. And he loves me and he knows me, faults and all. Faults and all. So the mission that God gives you, as noted above, is to make disciples, to love God, and to love your neighbor. Now, he blesses you to fulfill these two great callings. That means you carry the culture and the kingdom here on this world. This is your mission. So the big idea for today, the big idea is this, and you can fill this on. You live on mission. You live on mission. You complete your mission. You fulfill your mission when you fulfill these two callings. When you love God and you love people and you make disciples, you are living on mission for God. Congratulations. Congratulations. Now, when you live on mission, you bless others. Again, God has blessed you not to hoard and to keep those blessings, but for you to use them to bless other people. You'll notice both those commandments involve other people, right? One wasn't love God and love yourself, and that's it. One was love God and love people. That's other people. The other one was go and make disciples. That's not just of you and your family. That means of all nations. That involves other people. So God has always intended us and designed for us to live in the context of other people. 
Now, this series, what are we trying to do in this series? Is through this series called Bless, we're wanting to give you tools for this mission. For you to complete your mission, you need tools, right? So, so how can you love your neighbors in a real way? How can you show that you love God? How can you make disciples? Our goal is to give you some real, practical, easy tools for this mission. And we're drawing on a book called Bless. This was a book written by Dave Ferguson. This is a great book. Listen, you can pick this up on Amazon right now for about $15, $16. Um, and this is an amazing book. And we're going to be drawing on the wisdom of this book over these next five weeks as we go through how does it look like to bless people. This is a very practical way, a very simple way that you could practice every single day of your life. Imagine what your life would look like if you knew that every day you're living on mission, that you're living on mission by loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Man, I think that could radically change our lives. That could radically change our faith. That could radically change our, our city, our country, our communities, our neighborhoods, your block, your family, when you live on mission this way. So for the next five weeks, we'll be going through each one of these letters, B-L-E-S-S. I think I have a, a screenshot here of some icons. Each one of these means something different, B-L-E-S-S. And we'll be going through the next five weeks how to practically use these. Um, and if you flip this over, you'll get a little preview of what each one of those letters means. We'll get to those in a second. Um, but, but I'm so convinced, I'm so bought into this idea of blessed that at the end of this uh, message here, in a few minutes, I'm going to be asking you to join in. I'm going to be asking you to take a pledge, to make a promise to yourself, really, and to God, and to say, hey, I, I'm going to be a person who wants to live on mission, and I want to bless others. Remember, you live on mission when you bless other people bless other people. Now, you might be asking yourself, why are we doing this right now? Why is this important right now? Why should I even care? Why should I even listen about this whole idea of bless? Um, here's why it's important, because when it comes to sharing your faith, most of us fail, or we're scared, or we're intimidated, or we don't know how. I'm sure you could insert your own awkward story of when you tried to do it and you were probably shot down, right? Uh, we've been trained wrong. We've been using the wrong examples. Uh, we're going to be using Jesus as the example here over these next five weeks. And what greater example than to use than his, right? Jesus is the architect of the blessed model, of the blessed principle. So this is important because when most of us try to do this, we fail. Um, and it's becoming hard, as we mentioned last week, the pressure to remain silent, the pressure to be uh, a believer who is not public about their faith, especially if you're a young person. And, and I understand uh, the dilemma that you're in, young people. Um, there's so much pressure against you. Uh, there, there's so much judgment out there. There's so much misinformation. There's so much um, campaigning against people of faith. Uh, that, that the pressure that you feel to be quiet and not say anything and just go about your daily life without letting your faith be public is immense pressure. I get it. But this way, this, this model of blessing people, I think helps even those under the most pressure are young. Now, even more important than that, I believe this is how we can cooperate with God 
and bringing change to our culture, bringing change to our city, bringing change to your family, bringing change to your life, one family, one person at a time. You want to cooperate with God in making fully devoted, fruitful followers of Christ? This is how we do it. These are the tools that we need to do it. And most important, most important, is that we get to live on mission when we participate in something like BLESS. And something like BLESS. Can I share with you just very quickly a, a model of what BLESS looks like? And again, I want Jesus to be our example. So here's where we're going to Luke 19. So Luke 19, um, in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to be looking at the first uh, 10 verses here. Jesus has this interaction with somebody. Um, so in your notes here, it says Luke 19. This is Jesus. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho was a major city. Uh, he was passing through, and he's making his way through the town. So I want you to have this picture of Jesus being, you know, about his daily business. This is his daily routine. He's just passing through the city of Jericho. He's just passing through. He has no real intention to stop. Uh, I'm sure he has a to-do list, which he's probably following, or he's got an agenda for the day. So this is Jesus in his day-to-day -day life, just like you guys live your day-to-day -day life. How many of you have your daily routines, right? You wake up almost the same time every day. You drink probably the same cup of coffee, or you take the same route. You punch the same clock. You talk to the same people. A lot of us have those daily routines. This is what's beautiful about BLESS is that it kind of takes you out of the thinking that I'm just doing life. And it opens up a world of opportunities for you to bless people, even in your day-to-day -day interactions. When most of us are dominated by a to-do list or things on our agendas, bless allows you to be used of God, again, to bless other people. When we are so rooted in our agendas, in our to-do lists, we miss opportunities. You miss people that God wants to use you to bless. You miss opportunities that God wants to use you to speak. You miss those divine appointments that God sets up with you that sometimes we pray about and we say, God, bring people into my life that I could reach, that I could talk to, that I could have a relationship with. But sometimes we're so consumed in our day-to-day, -day, we live life on automatic pilot, we miss those opportunities. And bless breaks us out of that mindset and says, God, I'm going to trust you that I can see what it is that you want me to do so that I can live on mission for you. So Jesus is just going through Jericho, just like he had done many times before. Verse 2, there's a man there. His name is Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus. Here's a guy who, who was a little bit interested, but he was comfortable standing in the back row and looking for Jesus from afar. He didn't want to get up in his face. He was comfortable to kind of sit in the back and say, yeah, I'm, I have a little bit of interest. I kind of want to see what this is all about. So he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbs a sycamore tree besides the road road because Jesus was going to pass there. Again, Jesus' plan was just going to pass through. He's doing life, just like you do life every single day. Now, let's talk a little bit more about this guy Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was hated by the people. He was considered a traitor. 
he was taking money from Jewish people and paying it to the Roman government. And if the Roman government wanted 15% taxes, Zacchaeus probably charged 25% from the people, 15 for Rome, and hey, 10 for him. Right? I mean, this is still happening today, right? Anybody happy when you go do your taxes at the end of the year? He was hated by the people mainly because he was a Jewish person, but yet he was serving the opposing group, the oppressors. He was siding with the oppressors. And here was this man, he was hated amongst the people. Maybe that's what kept them in the back. He didn't want to be up front where he could be seen. So here's a guy who lived on the margins. He was far from God, both literally here and spiritually. Now again, Jesus was just going to what? Pass through. He was going to pass that way. He was just going about his daily business. Now this is where the story changes. Look at Luke 19, verse 5. Because this is where we see Jesus live this idea of bless. When Jesus came by, he looks up. He looks up at Zacchaeus and he calls him by name. And he says, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I must be a guest in your home today. Uh, there's a lot here to unpack. One, Jesus stops. Did Jesus really need to stop here? No, he had an agenda. He was going to pass through Jericho. Jericho was not his destination. He should have just been passing through. But yet Jesus was aware. Jesus stops. And then Jesus looks and he sees someone. And then something clicks in him. He's intentional to say, there's somebody here, not that's on my to-do list. But you know what? This is part of my mission. So today I must bless this guy. Did you pick that up there? Jesus says not, hey, I want to go to your house. It'd be great if you have me over. Hey, what's on the stove? You know, what, what, what are you cooking over there? No, Jesus says, I must be a guest in your home today. This is so important here. Because if we are going to be people who bless others, you have to look for the opportunities to be a blessing to people. They will not just fall into your lap. Chances are you're never going to be walking to work and see a person stuck in a tree saying, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? That's probably not going to happen in your life. But there's probably a person who's been sitting in the corner of your lunch place for about six months that no one speaks to. That person is there. Do you see that person? Do you stop and are you intentional to say, how can I bless this person. And it's not saying something, well, they're not on my to-do list. I can't talk to you. No, there should be something in us that's driving us. A love for God and a love for people, right? Your mission that says, I must bless this person. Now, how am I going to do that? We're going to talk more about that later when we talk about what each one of these letters means. But here, Jesus is showing us the heart of what it's like to love God to love people and to say, Zacchaeus, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Now listen, Jesus invites himself into this person's house. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that, okay? Don't be that weird person who says, hey, Tito, today I'm coming over, okay? Got it? That's weird. That's weird. All right? Jesus had it like that. We don't have it like that. Okay? You could ask. You could, you know, arrange something. You could talk to somebody. 
But what I also love about this story is that Jesus disregards what the people are thinking. This is so important for us. I don't want us to miss this. You see, one of the misunderstandings of Christianity is that we're so closed in, we're so closed-minded, we can't talk to people who don't think like you, believe like you, vote like you, love like you do. People think we're so closed off. Everybody was looking at Jesus and they were thinking, what is this dude doing talking to him? If you look at verse 7, people are saying, really? He's going to go have dinner with that guy? And there'll be a lot of religious people around you that when you try to get close to people who maybe don't think like you do, vote like you, dress like you do, love like you do, there'll be people who think like, really? You call yourself a follower of Jesus, but yet you're going to go and eat lunch with that person? Ew. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's a misconception of Christianity. Your job is to love God and to love what? Your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. And I love it that Jesus doesn't care what culture thinks, doesn't care what society has to say. He's going to say, you might judge me, you might criticize me, you, you might hate me, because all of you hate and judge this person, but yet I love them and I must bless them. If we're going to be people who bless others, we need to learn to oversee some of those boundaries that culture will put on you. That society will try to put on you. Jesus doesn't put those on you. Remember, the powerful, the elite hated Jesus, but the sinner loved them because he was close to them, because he ate with them, because he blessed them. So through this interaction here, this is on your notes, through this interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus, we see the Jesus mission. Write that into your notes. We see the Jesus mission. This is Jesus showing us how he's living this great commandment and how he's living the great commission. This is the Jesus mission. This is the Jesus way of doing things. And this is going to be our model here, church. This is going to be who we emulate. After all, the Bible says, hey, don't imitate people. The Bible says be imitators of who? Of Christ. Be imitators of Christ. So we want to imitate him. We don't want to imitate people. We want to imitate what he did. So we want to live on mission the way Jesus lived on mission. It's custom here that when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus, because he was powerful, he probably had a, a staff at home, and he probably offered Jesus a meal, and they would have had a conversation. We don't know what that conversation was. We don't know what that meal was. The Bible doesn't say uh, but we know that at the end of their time together, uh, Zacchaeus comes out different. He's kind of changed his ways of thinking. Here's a dude that had been trapped into the, into the, into the ideas of greed, of, of, of wanting material, of putting material before people, of putting possessions before people, of swindling people, of robbing people, of cheating people, of conniving people out of their money. And, and after a conversation and a meal with Jesus, something's changed here. Because we see here in Luke 19.8, it says, Meanwhile, meanwhile, at this dinner party, Zacchaeus stood before Jesus and he says, Look, I'm going to give away half of everything I have to the poor. If I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back 
four times as much. So he's not only paying back, he's giving restitution. He's offering full reconciliation. He's like saying, hey, I'm just not going to give you back what I took from you, but I'm going to give it back plus interest. This is a man who clearly has been changed over this interaction with Jesus. What did you say? Now, this results in the biggest blessing that one person could receive, a relationship with God. Because if we look at Luke 19.9, Jesus responds, and he tells Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Now, those were very important words. Here's a man who was seen as a traitor to the Jewish people, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your heart is repentant. There's been a change in you now, Zacchaeus. Now your whole house is going to be blessed. Not only you, your whole house. That's not only him and his family, his wife, his children. That means his staff and everyone else who lives in this home. This is a powerful man who has influence over many people. And he says, not only are you going to be blessed, they're going to be blessed. And you are a true son of Abraham. That means you are restored back to who God has created you to be. Man, that's a blessing right there. So what are the takeaways for you? What are the takeaways from you from this Jesus model? He gives us the tools. He gives us the strategies. Um, and, and he gives us the three parts that I think make up your mission. If you're going to be a person who lives on mission for Christ, um, number one, and this is on your notes here, you are to reach people who are far from God. That's the first part of your mission. You are to reach people who are far from God. Jesus literally reached out to a person who was far from him. Literally far, spiritually far, emotionally far, and yet Jesus stopped and reached out and said, hey, let's come, let's have a meal. God has given you every spiritual blessing for you to bless others. This means breaking free from your day in, day out routine, and to look for these opportunities. Remember, Jesus was just passing by when he saw this opportunity. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Let's have a meal together. I want to bless you. Psalms 96, verses 2 and 3 says, Each day, each day, each day, right? Every day, proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Part of your challenge on living in mission is to reach people who are far from God. Now, my question to you is, who are the people in your life that you know are looking? Who are the people in your life that you see who are far from him? Who are the people that you know in your life who are seeking joy, who are seeking purpose, who are seeking um, happiness, who are seeking for hope, who are seeking for restoration in their life, healing? Hey, they're searching for those things, but God, we know, is the source of all those things. So who are the people in your life that you know right now that are looking? Part of your mission is to reach out to them, is to reach out to them, to love them as you love yourself. Number two, the second part of your mission is you are to help restore God's vision for the world. You are to help restore... God's vision for the world. His vision for the world was for all of his creation to be in relationship with him. 
when he created the garden, it was Adam, it was Eve, and they were in perfect relationship with him. Now we know sin enters in and breaks that dynamic, but you can help restore this vision that God has for the world of people living in relationship with him. You could be an active participant in that. Not a passive, sit back and watch other people do it. No, God wants to use you. You. Every person here to help restore this vision that God has for the world of people who live in peace and harmony and unity. Zacchaeus had fallen away from that. He was trapped in greed. But yet God rescues him. Now, there's people that you probably know through their own decisions are living far from God. That was Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus, by his own bad decisions, by being a greedy fellow, lived far from God. We are to reach out for those people, help restore them back into relationship uh, to God. But there are other people who, because of no choice of their own, these are the forgotten, these are the marginalized, these are the left out. They live detached from God, but yet God wants to use you to restore them back into relationship with him. Ephesians 2.10, this is in the contemporary English version says this, God planned for us to do good things. What is the good things God planned for you to do? To help restore people back to him. So that way you could live as he always wanted us to live. Us, not you. Us. See, God has blessed you. God has made you. Other translations say that you are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10. That means God has already built into you what you need to be a player in this mission of restoring the original vision of creation back to God. He wants to use you. Now, listen, anyone who is living in a way less than what God has for them can be restored back to God. And he wants to use you to bless them. The last part of your mission is to reproduce this Jesus' mission in others. See, those are the words. You see them there, right? Reach, restore, reproduce. I I want you to this week to to try to ingrain that into your thinking. Who am I reaching? Who am I helping to be restored back to God? And, And how am I empowering that person to reproduce that in others? When we look at Zacchaeus' story, salvation just didn't come to Zacchaeus, right? It came to Zacchaeus and who else? His whole house. His whole house. That means this blessing was was reproduced into other people. That means it was implanted into other people. That means, hey, God has blessed me. Now I'm going to bless you by, by, by loving on you and by sharing my life with you. The goal is not to hoard the blessings of God, but to share them with others. Jesus says this in John 15, 8. He says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Who are his true disciples? The ones who are producing and reproducing this fruit. This brings great joy to my Father. Now listen, this is just not the church's work. This is just not the church leader's work. This is just not your life group leader's work. This is just not your mentor's work. This is not just the people on TV's work. No, this is your mission. This is your mission. And it's not enough just to know about this mission. This mission must be lived out. This mission must be lived out. 
So let me finish with this. How can you bless others? How can you bless others? Over these next five weeks, like I shared, we're going to be going through these one by one. Uh, The B stands for begin with prayer. Write that into your notes. Begin with prayer. Listen, we're not Jesus. A lot of us forget to pray. Some of us don't pray at all. That's fine. But to really be a person who blesses others, you need to begin with prayer. Anything Jesus went into first, he was a man of prayer. Jesus himself prayed. We must pray too. Hey, would you commit to praying for people that you know need to hear about God? Can you do that every day? That is something simple you can do every day. Begin with prayer. The L stands for listen with care. Listen with care. Christians love to talk too much. Look at what I'm doing right now. (laughs) We don't like to listen so much, right? The Bible says be slow to speak, quick to listen. When you engage with people, if you look at Jesus' model, uh, Jesus always listened to people. He asked questions and he listened to their heart. He engaged with them. He had conversations with them. He just didn't invite them over to be like, uh, here, let me pour out everything I got to say on you. No, 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 no. He engaged with them on a heart level. Will you pledge to be like Jesus and listen to people? When you listen to people, you can learn so much about them. But first, we need to listen. Here's one that you guys are going to love. The E stands for eat together. Woo! Come on, yeah. Right? Yeah, eat together. Hey, we could do that, right? Eat together. Look at the words. Some of the most powerful transformational moments in people's lives happen across a dinner table between Jesus and someone else, or a follower of Jesus and someone else. The Bible says, come to the table, taste and see that he is good. Hey, what would it look like for you to sit with that person that you know has been in the lunchroom for six months, not talking to anyone, and walk over there and say, hey, would you mind if I sat down with you? You bless them that way. And when you talk to them, do what? Listen. And maybe before you sit down, what? Pray that God would use you in that in that way. You see how this is all become picture here? So eat together. Would you pledge that you would choose maybe once per week to have an intentional meal with somebody where you invite and, hey, you treat. Yeah, I said that. You treat. Don't be the person who says, hey, let's go have lunch. And by the way, you're paying for it. No, you, you invite and you treat. Right? With the intention of what? Of listening. Of listening. The first S stands for serve serve. Jesus was not someone who came to bang the Bible over their head. There was no Bible when he was around. He came and he served people. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to bless others. So one of the most tangible ways you can love somebody the way you love God is to serve them. And, And you know where you'll learn the opportunities of how to serve somebody? When you listen to them. Because when you listen to them, they'll share their life. And maybe they're going through a hard time and you're saying, hey, maybe, let's go out. Let's go on a golf outing or let's let's go on a little getaway. Let's, let's take a run by the lake, right? Or, or, hey, I have a gym pass at my, at my gym. Let, come with me. Let's, that's serving somebody. Or maybe they're moving. Hey, can I help you move some boxes? You know, can I, can I help you with this project? Hey, can I babysit your kids? Oh, your car needs an oil change? My brother's a mechanic. Can I, can I take care of that for you? 
You know, there's ways you can serve people and you can tangibly show them tangibly, not just speak about it, right? Because Christians are very good about speaking about the love of God, but they don't do anything. I'm talking about tangibly loving somebody. How? By serving them. And the last one, share. Share your story. Now, this is where this model flips because a lot of us have been trained that the first thing we do is share our story. Come here, sit down. I want to talk to you. I want to tell you about what Jesus did in my life. And you know what? Right there, 75% of them is already done with you. One, this feels like uh, like a multi-level marketing scheme. Like you're trying to sell me something or what? Am I going to join some card at the end here? Are you going to flip out a poster board to show me the 15 points of salvation? Like, this sounds weird, right? We've been trained to share our story. No, listen. After you've prayed, after you've listened, after you've ate together, and after you've served them, maybe then share what God has done in your life. You see, what we're building here is authentic relationships. Authentic relationship. This is blessed. Begin with prayer. Listen with care. Eat together. Serve in love. Share your story. For the next five weeks, we'll be going through each one of these in detail. So that way you have the tools you need to fulfill your mission. What's your mission? To love God and to love your neighbor and to make disciples. Listen. You are not here by mistake. You are not here by chance. You are here because God has a great purpose and mission for your life. I hope you understand that. I hope you know that. And the mission that you have is comprised of these two great callings, the great commandment and the great commission. You've been blessed. Remember Ephesians 1.3. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing every spiritual blessing because we are united with Christ. I want to close with this scripture, Genesis 12, verse 2. This is God speaking his commandment of blessing over you. He says, I will make you a great nation. This is uh, the covenant to Abraham. He says, I will bless you and make you famous. Now, some of you like that second part. Hey, famous? Woo! All right. I need some followers on the ground. No, God wants to bless you, right? So that you can be what? A blessing to others. So that you can be a blessing to others. God wants to use you to bless. How do you bless? By reaching, restoring, and reproducing. Reproducing.